0: not a bounty hunter I've heard otherwise I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer Jabba ruled with fear I intend to rule with respect
1: You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt
0: I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich Prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want. If you had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please. Speak freely.
1: All the galaxies,
2: all for you. Hey, what's up, peacekeepers? We are back again for another awesome episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast broadcasting live right here on Phantom Empire and coming to you through the power of wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are on Apple. We are on Android. We are on CastBox. We are pretty much everywhere except Spotify. I still haven't figured out how to get that damn Spotify up and working, but we will figure it out eventually. Welcome to the show. I am Zach and joining me as he pretty much always does. I don't think there's been very few episodes where I've done an episode and you haven't been on it. He's back for more fun. It's Mr. Ben Hart, dude. Welcome to the show. We have a chock full episode and not a whole lot of time to cover it in
1: so much to cover so much to talk about there's so much been happening um it's really bad when you do a show every other week because there's stuff happening every week and then you elongate that out and then uh, yeah a lot of stuff happened but uh yeah we got an awesome just awesome tv show to talk about we've got an awesome trailer to talk about and then some interesting news regarding uh the marvel shows on the uh on the netflix over there and what's gonna be happening to them Yeah, let's go ahead and
2: and, and jump onto that real quick while we we have that momentum and just maybe get it out of the way. Because earlier today it was like announced slash spread around the interwebs that there were notifications showing up when people were watching the Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, The Punisher, etc. That they were getting notifications saying it was leaving on March the 1st. The day of this recording is February the 11th. So that gives you about three weeks, if that to get all of your binging done before it quote-unquote leaves the platform. But then uh, there was another post that happened about three hours ago um, from Deadline reporting that uh, basically Netflix is losing their television rights completely. I knew that they had lost the character rights, but they have apparently lost the streaming rights to the shows, and that's why they are no longer going to be airing on Netflix. Since all of those Marvel characters are now owned and operated by Disney, it seems logical to assume that a Disney faction of some sort is going to be picking up the streaming uh, shows. The problem that I have is all of those shows are TVMA, so they're obviously not going over to Disney Plus. At least not in the states. It may be on like Disney Plus Star or whatever not it is you've got or something. Channel.
1: Whatever they call it. It could end up on
2: something like that, simply because Hulu doesn't exist in a lot of international places where Disney Plus is. But I, I have a hard time also seeing it going to Hulu, just because it was a Netflix original seeing the Hulu logo blasted on front of it is just going to be really weird if that is indeed what happens. But here's the other problem. Pretty much every other Hulu show is either created with advertisements in mind or it's already a network show that has those commercial breaks built right into it. It creates a natural flow for Hulu commercials. These Netflix shows, I have vivid recollection of, enjoying them because there were very few instances where you could pause for a commercial break if you are at that whatever it is 799 899 tier of hulu like i am then how are they going to incorporate commercial breaks into a show that was specifically created to not have commercial breaks
1: yeah that's going to be interesting and also weird watching it and and like going, oh there's a commercial this doesn't feel right because you've watched them and we, we have watched all three seasons now and i would love to watch them again um yeah. i don't have netflix um i don't have hulu either so uh we'll see about that but uh you know i i would hope that they would just bite the bullet and just put it on disney plus do some kind of mature thing with disney plus have parental guidance whatever they have parental things in there anyway so i don't really see what the big deal is i yeah. understand it's disney plus they have the disney name on it they want to keep it squeaky clean but they've they've got yeah you know, they put free guy on there it's got an f-bomb in it like it's not squeaky clean so you know come on i think just just things i think more this more has to do with just like taking it away from netflix because yeah. like if you noticed right after spider-man no way home and then with with hawkeye it was like the ratings on Daredevil just went sky high. It was like number five or number three on Netflix.
0: Mm-hmm. Disney doesn't
1: like that. Disney's not going to be you know, all over that. Um, I think it also it probably – this was probably set in motion a long time ago. They were probably already like when they knew Vincent D'Onofrio was coming back as Kingpin when, when they had Charlie Cox coming back as uh, Daredevil. They knew that, like, okay, now is the time to like, we need to get these things under our umbrella somehow, or just to get it away from Netflix. Maybe they're going to bury it somewhere. They just don't want Netflix to have it,
2: right? No, and, and I get that. It's it's about beating the competition, and right now Disney is definitely beating the competition. There's no disputing that. And let's be honest, there are a lot of really crass type of shows on Hulu, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, like. Right? Like, if you watch It's Always Sunny, like, you'll laugh, but you'll also be like, what the hell am I watching? And there were moments where when I watched Daredevil, I I saw the kingpin behead somebody using an SUV door. And I was like, what the hell am I watching? And so I, I get that that is, like, the natural option for them to go to. I just, it doesn't mean that I have to like it. Because Hulu, if you recall, had some original type of programming that was from the marvel universe like i think one of them was called cloak and dagger or something like yeah, that
1: cloak and dagger and the runaways were both on hulu mm-hmm.
2: yeah and so far on hulu, i'm assuming and right. let's be honest they both sucked <laughs> like their I numbers
1: and never watched their them.
2: numbers were not impressive they were not something that was widely talked about online it, it just it just exists
1: it's anyway. it's like a it's like another ages of shield kind of like a pocket universe of like they even had their own crossover like they were together for a while but like they're you know obviously in the MCU but not really so exactly. uh, yeah but uh it, it, it'll be interesting to where this goes I'm I'm very yeah, curious to
2: you know but let's not forget that 20th Century Studios is creating an alien spin-off show that was That's that true. was announced not too long ago probably like within the last year or so and they're going to need a platform to put that stuff on. Is that going to be a Hulu original as well? Because if it is, at least they have enough time to be able to script it in such a way that you make time for commercial breaks. I'm sorry. I'm going to be on this all evening if you let me. I don't like the idea of shows like Daredevil and and The Punisher being broken up by Viagra commercials. <laughs>
1: It's like the the moment after you're trying to process you like you're watching Kingpin like slam a door on some guy's head It's really intense, and the next thing you know they're trying to shell Charmin tissue like you know it's 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 a bit of a of a, of a high and low uh really whiplash with the with the tone there really sorry. um but uh oh. yeah, yeah, well, I guess uh, commercials are part of life now, <laughs> they're everywhere, <sighs> can't get rid of them. Our friend Steven's in the chat
2: helping us clarify some things. He says that Cloak & Dagger were at, was actually on Freeform, uh, but Runaways was made for Hulu. There was also a show called Hit Monkey and MODOK that also came out on Hulu last year. Um, like, a lot of these things I've never even heard of. Like, I'm sorry, I know this is supposed to be the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, but what the hell are you talking about?
1: Look, we've never claimed to be an expert on everything, okay? So lay off
2: it's just it's crazy man that i i I don't i i like that there seems to be an idea that disney is going to take over the responsibility i don't like the uncertainty of where it could be headed and what the future holds for these streamers i would hope that whatever platform they end up on um, they also simultaneously announce that they're getting ready for another season of it Uh, if you're gonna have shows like She-Hulk on Disney Plus. You need to have your other superhero shows on Disney Plus as well because I still stand by my belief that we're going to see Jessica Jones make a cameo in She-Hulk. And that-, I,
1: that that like after like we did all that speculating about oh Matt Murdock's going to be in No Way Home, like this is a done deal and then I went to the movie going like it's not going to happen. They're not going to do it. I just know they're not going to do it. It makes too much sense. And then they did it. So now I'm like, well, everything goes now. Like, they will do this. Like, you know, get Kristen Ritter back. Like, all all these guys, I think it's only a matter of time before they reassemble the defenders and we we get what we wanted all this time. But what
2: I don't want is for them to diminish what the show is capable of by reducing it to a TV 14 program. The show was at its best when it was TV MA. So. Disney's got to figure their stuff out where they can keep that, that mature ethos of what these shows were about while also incorporating them into their new television Marvel universe. There's got to be a middle ground in there somewhere. And I sincerely hope that they find it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's weird news.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's get
1: to some very, very exciting news. Yeah. The uh, We, we got the official reveal. finally, Jurassic World Dominion trailer, like two, like almost three minutes of Jurassic goodness, and oh boy, oh boy, was it beautiful! Oh my
2: god, I took so many screenshots. (laughs) I took
1: many. There's so so many,
2: so many screenshots. There's so many things in here that are like quote unquote money shots, where you're looking at this, going, oh my god, it's a Parasaurolophus running across the field with a whole bunch of wild stallions. Oh my gosh, you've got the Quetzalcoatlus attacking a plane. Oh my gosh, you've got Alan Grant back on the scene! The oh, like, day three! Everything that I could have possibly wanted from this trailer showed up in it, okay? We had even a, a brief glimpse of a Dilophosaurus, which up until Camp Cretaceous Season 4, we had not seen since 1993, Okay. Like one one very brief minute in season four of Camp Cretaceous and then a very brief cameo in this trailer. But other than that, we have not seen the Dilophosaurus in this form since 1993. People who played Jurassic World Evolution, I apologize. I understand that there are some things that are like loose canon that are incorporated into the games. But let's be real here. Unless you are a big time gamer and a big time dino nerd, There's just not as much of a niche as there is with a summer blockbuster flick like we're about to get with Dominion. And honestly, if you let me, I could gush about this one as well. Because you've basically got the Avengers level teaming up that you're going to have for the Jurassic franchise. Basically, all the important people, the big three, as you mentioned, plus we saw Chris Pratt in action. We saw Bryce Dallas Howard in action. We saw one of the new characters flying the plane. So there's there's just a lot of, of new to experience with it being a true Jurassic world. And to open it with lines from John Hammond from the original movie was brilliance on Colin Trevorrow's part. Because you have this instant nostalgia attached to seeing his vision, his dream, his hopes come to life. But in a very twisted and different way from what he had envisioned. And yet, still, it actually did come true.
1: Yeah, I I just love how this movie looks and how different it feels to other to the other Jurassic movies, yeah, and you know, obviously, you know, it's it it is different. It's it's unprecedented what we're dealing with here—a du- real Jurassic world. And, you know, dinosaurs now everywhere, and you can't escape them. And I guess it's the only way to get Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, <laughs> and Ian Malcolm to interact with dinosaurs again because they sure as damn well weren't going back to any of those islands. Okay, no, I think I they were know. done with that. <laughs>
2: But it's funny because it's like, oh, there's no way in heaven or hell or high water that you'll ever get us looking at dinosaurs again. And and nature's like, well, fine, we're going to bring dinosaurs
1: to you then, damn it.
2: But, oh, my gosh.
1: I love the look of this movie is great. I love that it looks some of it looks like a, a James Bond movie. There's so many different locations in here that, you know, there's like, it looks something maybe Italian, I'm not sure, could be Venice, I don't know. Um. There's there's several different, like, and there's snow and all this kind of stuff, these really big locations. Obviously, we've never seen dinosaurs in these locations, and it's specifically just never seen a movie quite like this in the Jurassic franchise. Um. It's great. I, I love the look of it. I love where it's going, and obviously, so many dinosaurs and stuff that, you know never seen before obviously dilavosaurus you know one one of the faves one of the faves i think the last time we saw one was either in season 4 or of uh, uh there was a hologram one in Jurassic World that was as yeah, close that, we've gotten that, since yeah, the nineties. True, I'd
2: almost forgotten the hologram. Thanks for reminding me. Even and by that,
1: the way, Stephen, I have not watched season four yet. Okay, uh, I don't have Netflix. Okay, but I'm gonna get on it. I, I look, I I'm behind on Superman and Lois. I haven't watched that. One of my favorite shows. I'm behind on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> so like, I'm mm, so far behind. I haven't had any time to watch any TV. Mm.
0: Mm-mm.
2: Well, Jurassic World posted on Twitter that uh, each one of the, the big dinosaurs featured in the trailer um, also have their own emoji attached to the hashtag of their names now. Oh my
1: gosh, that's amazing. Which
2: is, it's really cool. I'm going to try and pronounce them as best as I can here. Uh, you've got the Parasaurolophus, which is one of my personal favorites. Velociraptor, obviously blue with a baby, it looks like. Life starting a family. I found a way, uh, stigama lock, Mosasaurus, T-Rex, Ankylosaurus, Carnotaurus, Quetzalcoatlus, Dilophosaurus, and Tyrannodons all have emojis attached to their hashtags now. Wow. And if that doesn't build the hype, I don't know what will. Because basically, if Black Kersantan can get an emoji, then <laughs> it's about damn time that uh, these guys got their due as well. So...
1: Wow. Yeah. When is Dominion come out? I, I forgot. It's
2: right. supposed to come out in June? Let me look. I've got it on my calendar.
1: Um, I'm Googling it. I'm Googling it. Uh, June 10th. June the 10th, but it'll be
2: it'll be out on, on Thursday the 9th. And uh, for any of you who follow my uh, my social pages or have listened to this show for any amount of time... Uh, You know that my buddy Mondo is like my Jurassic watching buddy every season of Camp Cretaceous that's come out. We've either been like texting each other, like doing play by play updates or for the last two seasons, maybe the last three seasons. Now we've actually gotten together to binge watch the seasons together. And so um, he saw Fallen Kingdom with me a couple of years ago when it came out. And uh, we are making plans to go see Dominion. We've been making these plans for over a year now. Thank you, COVID. But <laughs> we're making plans to go see it in a Dolby IMAX screen. which has like yeah. An- It's got like enhanced audio features as well. Like the speakers are really, really top notch. And there's a couple of these Dolby's within like a half hour, 45 minutes driving distance here in this Dallas Metroplex area. So I think we're going to see it in one Dolby cinema on Thursday night. And then we're going to use our AMC A-list membership. Go see it in another Dolby cinema, in another theater, in another part of town on Saturday. And then may go catch like a 3D screening at a third theater. Use up all three of those stubs on one movie, man. We are hyped. We are hyped. I'll be honest with you. I went and saw the new fast and furious movie just so I could see the prologue for dominion. And then I spent two hours watching a storyline that I gave zero F's about, but all I was doing was sitting there watching the six minute prologue with my eyes, like wide open, like dinner plates I wanted to be that guy. I so desperately wanted to be that guy that just got up and left after the (laughs) prologue. But I used my A-list membership and I was like, you know what? I'll get my money's worth. And it was opening night at a Dolby that was like 80% full. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to waste a ticket that somebody else could have used on a movie that they might've actually been interested in, you know? And so... My conscience got the better of me, but I was very, very tempted to focus on the dinosaurs, like I need to be doing right now, because like, this, this trailer is so epic, I don't even know where to begin. I, if, I, if I wasn't hyped for the movie before, I 1000% am now
1: yeah it's it's so yeah i'm really like yeah i've had mixed opinions on a lot of these movies but like you know even going back to some of the originals but like i this one looks like something completely new completely different Mm -hmm. and looks amazing and you know a good amount of nostalgia obviously with the big three coming back but also a lot of new stuff um and you know what I'm gonna I, before we before we move on to this because we we do have another thing to talk about yeah but, we um, do so. I got a I got a feeling in this trailer I think I think someone's not making it out of this out of this movie like I think first? for I think for the I think for the first time perhaps in my memory you know obviously supporting cast in Jurassic movies get get wrecked um they, whereas principal. Principal players usually survive. They get wrecked. Gonna... <laughs> get wrecked <laughs> Okay. That's I just ah. walked right into that one. Um, ah. but the principal players usually do not survive. You you the principal players usually survive. Usually they're fine. Um, I don't think that's gonna be the case now. I think I think Owen Owen Grady's gonna bite it in this one. You think we lose uh, Owen? Yeah, I think we might lose one of the big three. I think either i think they i think they might he, i think I'm, alan grant alan grant might bite too i
2: was i was gonna subscribe to the idea that alan could be the one that we lose mainly because sam neill has been trying to get out of his jurassic shadow since like 2001 and he's done some pretty good stuff he he's been in a very well-reviewed netflix show called peaky blinders and uh, I just added another movie that he did uh, about three or four years ago that's made its way onto Netflix now that also stars the kid who was in Deadpool 2.
1: Oh, yeah. A Hunt for the Wilder People.
2: Yes, I think that's what it's called. Yes, I haven't actually gotten around to watching it, but uh, it's, it's one of the next things on my on my Netflix list. So um, he's, been, he's been trying to escape that shadow for a good while now. And even though he's probably going to be making bank on this movie, uh, I could definitely see this being his last film and send him out kind of in a in a blaze of glory a la Luke Skywalker. You know, make a make a big contribution, do something really, really well, and then you're done.
1: Or You know, I could see him making a deal with with them um, a la a harrison ford in star yes. wars um yeah. saying look i'll come back for one more i'll give it my all but you gotta kill me off
2: yeah yep yeah. it, it, it's, and it's a- he'll
1: come back as a as a as a dream in the in the, in the yeah. next one
2: he'll, he'll be he'll be he'll be a fever dream that that wakes up owen grady and and tells him that he needs to that he needs to to keep going for Claire's sake or something like that and be like, that's, that's...
1: I just think, I think for Owen's character, I think he's had kind of an arc of like, he started out as kind of like, uh, you know, he's careless, careless a-hole, you know, on again, off again with Claire. um, And I think he's going to have a big kind of arc here that, that could culminate in some really big... Uh, a really big moment. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe they maybe they won't kill anyone. Maybe it'll be fine. Just no one will die. It'll be the, 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 the least bloodiest Jurassic movie.
2: No, 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 no. The stakes are far too high for that. People are going to be dying left and right. I mean, look at what happened at the Battle of Big Rock, for crying out loud. Like, like, Travaro yeah. is trying to set this up where the age of dinosaurs is, is potentially usurping the age of man. And uh, it's, it's scary to think about. But... Yeah. You know, out of the out of the possible deaths that have been speculated in this movie, uh, it's been more about the classic dinosaurs that people have been saying could potentially die. Where maybe this is the the last movie for Rexy, or maybe Blue okay. is, is going to bite the dust, sacrificing herself for her new offspring, or something like that. Like those are whether whether they have dialogue or not is irrelevant. Those are important characters in the jurassic franchise and if they get died off i think people will be just as upset over losing them as they would over somebody like owen claire or alan grant
1: that that moment with the that was it the brontosaurus in sure. falling kingdom on the dock
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna pause you for a second there because technically brontosaurus don't exist oh really by the strictest technical sense, it was originally called a brontosaurus because they did not have a specific classification for it at the time. But a, a brontosaurus is actually a amalgamation of the apatosaurus and the brachiosaurus. Oh. Scientists, scientists took parts from both of them together thinking that they were a different type of dinosaur and basically formed a, a brontosaurus out of bones and remains from two different species so wow. i'm i'm pretty sure the long-necked fellow you're speaking of the one that dies on the docks in fallen kingdom yeah yes that that would be a brachiosaur
1: okay that makes i knew brontosaurus sounded weird i knew i didn't make it up
2: showed up there for a second i promise i'm not an a-hole but i just know no,
1: thought, no I, I love that history lesson i love because because i love learning about this stuff even though i'm I, not i'm not necessarily a dino nerd i know um, there yeah and i know a lot of this stuff is recent like there's a fun fact that like oh yeah at the time of george washington like the formation of the united states We didn't know about dinosaurs. They hadn't been discovered yet. Right. They They had no knowledge of prehistoric creatures at that time.
2: They didn't really have all that many in that region, and they didn't really have very many, you know, uh, paleontologists or archaeologists at the time. They were kind of focused on building a civilization rather than looking for
1: things to worry about.
2: Yeah, they had this other thing to do, like go dump a whole bunch of tea in the water and contaminate the bay. Like the, these people were straight up like environmental hazards for
1: all the stuff. I'm telling you, this is just a bunch of hoodlums. I wonder whatever happened to those people?
2: <laughs> Merck Okay, uh, last question before we move on to uh, another topic. We've been at this for almost a half hour talking about stuff that's not our main topic tonight. But Jesse, one of our patrons sends us a question in the chat: If Alan Grant goes by dinosaur, which one gets him?
1: Mm, see, that's you know, like he's he's iconic for like you know dealing with raptors, dealing with Rexy. Um, I don't I don't feel like Rexy's gonna take on anyone. She, she's the hero, like she's not gonna kill anyone. She only kills bad guys now. Um. Uh, it could be a raptor or you know maybe maybe a, just a brand new dinosaur we haven't seen before well we, um,
2: we are supposed to get the Giga in this one so um, that one's probably like the new version of the indominus more or less if you will um, bigger batter more teeth etc um, so that'll probably be one of the many big threats um, I could also see it. This is just me being a fanboy, if you will, but I, I could theoretically see it also being a Dilophosaurus. Yeah. Dilophosaurs are one of the few species that we have seen actually eat a human. You know, yeah. the, the, the raptors, you know, they, they attacked a few people and killed a few people in the first couple of movies. Uh, but the Dilophosaurus it seemed like stayed for supper, and and so when when we're talking about dinosaurs that actually have some pretty strong confirmed kills, obviously you've got the big predators like the Indominus, the T Rex, the Indoraptor. You've also got the Velociraptors from the Lost World and Jurassic Park. Um, you know the the T Rex um, ate Gennaro or at least chewed him in half. Um. So there, there's a, there's a few that have those confirmed kills. But among that select, you know, five or so out of the goodness knows how many species we've seen over the course of the franchise, out of those five, one of the other ones that didn't get mentioned was the Dilophosaurus. So I'll go I'll go with the dark horse pick and say if he does get eaten, maybe a Dilophosaurus.
1: Yeah. And it has to be like the most heroic death ever. Otherwise, people will be mad.
2: It does, um, but I also think it would be kind of ironic if it happens while it's raining, and it gives like a little bit of a nod to Dennis Nedry, possibly, or something like that. Like, possible. there's there, there's plenty of stuff out there. Here's what I'm hoping, I, and this is a very small thing, and then we're done. I promise. I am hoping to see more Barbasol product placements. Not that necessarily cool. in a straight up can, but if there's like a Times Square type of area where there's just a whole bunch of advertisements running and stuff, I want one of those advertisements to be Barbasol. They've <laughs> they've got to come back, man. This is you know, forget Verizon Wireless or Tostitos or Pepsi or you know, whatever else has been a sponsor in the past. I need me some more Barbasol, buddy.
1: Yeah, totally. I think uh, you know, like dinosaurs in Times Square just they've, they've just taken over the place and there's just a, a just a, the the biggest sign in Times Square is the Barbasol commercial.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh okay. Our main topic for the evening is a television show that does not have dinosaurs but it does have a dinosaur like creature that shows up towards the second half. I was
1: going to say almost you could you can almost say it has dinosaurs.
2: <laughs> you could make the case that it's got a dinosaur in it whether you're talking about really, really old characters that show up or the particular creature that I was alluding to a moment ago. But before we uh, talk about those creatures, we just want to give a special shout out to our patrons, particularly Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett. Uh, they are big time supporters of the program and they are at the shout out friend tier on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash IPC podcast. Uh, if you want to, that exclusive access if you want that shout out if you want that behind the scenes info if you want to be able to participate in the uh influence and creation of topics here on the show uh there is a special facebook group that is just for you that you only get access to when you sign up on patreon it starts at what like two or three bucks a month like it's super super small to have the biggest influence like these guys do so Uh, You can get access to the show notes, which I think we might have forgotten to do for this episode, but that's okay. You get access to that exclusive group. You get top billing during a top five segment. Anytime we do a top five show, like we might be doing one in two weeks, anytime one of those happens, you get to be put at the top of the list of those top five segments. And if you're free and our schedule is open enough, we might find a way to actually have you on the show. Uh, I know Joey has been waiting for football season to finish up. And uh, I think maybe he's starting to get a little more free. So, you know, we might be trying to get these guys on the show uh, in the not too distant future. So if you want to be a part of that fun and you want to contribute to your local podcasters, you can do a super chat here on the live feed and we get a cut of that. Or you can sign up to the Patreon at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. It's down there on that lower third. So, okay, Excellent. on to our main topic of discussion. We've got about an hour to do it, and uh, we're covering seven hours of content. So, <laughs> cracking
1: knuckles. <laughs> Let's get down. To and this. there's so much in these seven episodes. By the way, book of Boba Fett. It's book of oh, Boba Fett, guys. Right. Um, and yeah, this show, man. So much, so much happened. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I'm still trying to like process it all and i, I will say and, and if you've listened to star wars on the world or any of the live streams i've been on because i've been staying up till 2 a.m to 3 a.m uh, oh, to talk about this episodes um yeah i have mixed feelings about this show overall you know i fell head over heels in love with mandalorian i'm not feeling quite as in love with the book of boba fett i have my issues with it but it was a very fun ride very unexpected um a, so many Great thing, so many I think instant classic Star Wars moments, and so many you know, Boba Fett or Rancor is is just classic. It's just the best, one of the best well, things I've ever seen. Talking spoilers tonight, folks. <laughs> this is a full in depth look. Review. It's Friday. It came out on Wednesday. The spoiler memoratorium is off,
2: guys. It's funny how small the statute of limitations has gotten to because back in the day it used to be a full week and now it's like if you haven't seen it in the first twenty four hours, well then too bad for you. Here
1: here's the thing. Here is my rules. Okay. For T V episodes, two days. Two days. If if you haven't seen it in two days, you need to stay offline or whatever and see it. For movies, two weeks. That's that's my rules. That's my rules. And you're making me hungry, even though I I just ate dinner. <laughs> this
2: is my dessert. I had barbecue for dinner and we've got a great barbecue topic tonight as well. So yes, we do be sure to tune into that.
1: Well, OK, OK, if you're if you're ready, I want to get because I've I feel like I've talked a ton about this. I want to get your thought because I genuinely haven't really talked to you about this. I'm curious. Yeah. What are your kind of overall opinions? You've seen all the episodes. Where, where are you? Where do you land with this one?
2: I landed with the opinion that the second half of the show finished way better than the first half of the show started. There were, there were a lot of things that made me feel like the first three episodes or so, perhaps the show didn't exactly know what it was doing or where it was going. And it was just kind of spending time laying the foundation, laying the foundation, laying the foundation. And I'm like, okay, when are we going to actually build the house? Because you, you've got a lot of scenes where, you know, he's, he's with the Tuskins and he's learning and training and, and, and growing in his personality with them. And then you've got certain action sequences that were pretty cool. I mean, that was a very unique take on the whole taking down the train kind of thing. Yeah. I still think my favorite train type of storyline is from Firefly, but this one wasn't all that bad. And it was with a purpose rather than just doing a heist like you see on Firefly or on the Clone Wars. So, like, it had a purpose, and I get it. Um, but it wasn't, like, my favorite thing. It was like, oh, we need an action sequence in order to pick up this show. Because up until now, all we've done is ride sand speeders in the desert in circles for 20 minutes. <laughs> like, like that, that was kind of my impression the first time maybe three episodes of it was like what the heck is going on here but then by the time we got to around episode four that was around the time that we stopped doing the back to tank flashbacks yeah the when he was finally quote-unquote healed and the flashbacks were concluding we didn't have as many of them i think at one point one of the droids said congratulations you are fully healed and to me it almost felt like a like a video game checkpoint where the, the droid finally tells you congratulations you don't have to do this meaningless bs anymore you can finally continue on with the story like that was very similar to how i felt when we finally hit that mark that was like congratulations you're done watching the flashbacks time to move the story forward in my opinion they should have started doing that by episode three two episodes of flashbacks is really all we should have had maximum once we got to the third episode it's time to just focus on what's going on here and now. So I wasn't a huge fan of flashbacks. I understand their purpose. Some of it was really fun to watch seeing a, a seismic charge from attack of the clones, get rid of the Sarlacc from episode six. Like that was a, a, a era crossover that I didn't know that I needed. Incredible. But it was, it was still really fun to watch. So the show had some fun moments, but if, I, if I'm being completely honest, it was the people who directed episodes of Mandalorian that ultimately kind of saved the show for me. Episode five with Bryce Dallas Howard and episode six with Dave Filoni, in my opinion, are the two best episodes of the series. And if we don't have those two people directing those two episodes, and if we don't have that piece of the story incorporated into the book as a whole, then it, it didn't, it it didn't succeed. The show doesn't succeed as much as it ended up succeeding is my point.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I can't help but kind of agree with you in regards to like those were the two like, best episodes because they were so incredible. They were so unexpected. Um we love the Mandalorian already. We love Grogu. It's it and we we love Luke Skywalker too. So it like it, it was it was it was a so many things throwing in. I still I still have to question the whole idea behind this and question why was it necessary to Devoted whole episode to the Mandalorian. Devoted whole episode to Luke Skywalker. Um, even though I think the the finale does a pretty good job of wrapping everything up or bringing everything home, um, uh, we did spend a lot of time away from Boba in a show called The Book of Boba Fett. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not just doing what people on Twitter are doing nowadays. What like, well, well, it's called The Book of Boba Fett, but there's no Boba Fett. You know, I I'm not just superficially. I'm saying, I came into the show wanting a good solid story for boba fett as a longtime boba fett fan i'm like okay finally after 40 years he gets the spotlight he gets to have his own show let's do something interesting i think for the first few episodes yes they were a slow burn and even i was getting like okay what 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 are we doing here like you know episode two and three were a bit much um two episode two i think was the best um, out of that thing, the first episode really didn't grab me. Second episode, I really loved. Obviously, train heist, everything like that was great. Mm-hmm. Episode three was kind of more of the same. Um, episode four was like kind of giving me the. It's kind of when I just started investing in the flashbacks of like, okay, Phoenix here, we're doing this. Slave one's here. It's this is happening, and that's why I started really digging that because it was mostly flashback and it was really interesting stuff that we was answering questions that we had. Um, and then we go off with Dinjarin, and we do all that, which was amazing. I don't want to complain about this because I love those characters. I love the execution of those episodes. There's no denying they were absolutely amazing. Some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, you get to those last two episodes. It's like, okay, here's Cad Bane, and blah blah blah, blah. and he's gonna mention a few things from Clone Wars arc that never aired, and then he's gonna die. And then it's like, okay. Wh- what, what I would have I would have preferred just take the episodes, take those brilliant, amazing, stunning episodes, five and six, and just move them to season three of Mandalorian, let them exist over there. Let's give us a little more context for Boba's story. And that's what kind of bothers me. And it feels nitpicky. it feels it feels petty, but I can't help but feel that way. Um, even though we got Boba Fett riding a rancor and all this kind of stuff, some of the amazing things, but I still can't help but feel like, especially now that we don't know if there's going to be a season two, you know, if there was going to be a season two, I'd be like, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll wait around. But we don't know. This could be it for Boba Fett. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm satisfied.
2: So in the finale, they made it sound like they didn't feel quote unquote cut out to rule Tatooine. And they're like, well, if not us, then who? Like, trying to leave it somewhat open-ended like that. But if you look at the wording of the social media posts, excuse me, had a little water there. Uh, If you look at the wording of the social media posts, then it says all episodes of the book of Boba Fett now streaming. It doesn't Mm -hmm. say season one of the book of Boba Fett or, you know, the first seven episodes of the book of Boba Fett. Like, I'm a communications major, so like I take a look at the intentionality of words very, very carefully when it says all episodes of. That implies to me that at this moment, Disney has no intentions of making a second season. That doesn't mean they won't ever do it, but it means that right now the plan is to move ahead with Mando season three, the Ahsoka show. There's a lot of Star Wars happening this year, dude. Like, a lot, holy, holy crap, we're getting, I think I counted five different Star Wars pieces happening in 2022 starting Bad with... Bad Batch,
1: Andor, Mandalorian Season 3 at some point, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, May 24th, like, so much.
2: Yeah, so that's the other four on top of Book of Boba Fett. So, there's just, and it's jumping all over the place because you're going, like, like, you're going back to Tatooine with the Kenobi show, you're going goodness knows where with Andor, you're going to um you know st- a lot of it actually is kind of focused on stuff that happens between episodes 3 and 4. Andor, Kenobi and Bad Batch are all happening between 3 and 4. I I just yeah. now I'm just now thinking of that. That's interesting. Um but from what my sources have told me even though there was a bit of an omicron delay on the filming of Mando, um I think it's fairly safe to think that Mando season three could happen around the same time Book of Boba Fett premiered in this year. So, yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking because it kind of, it kind of, it like Mando did like Mandalorian season one premiered and then they immediately started working on season two like right as it was premiering. Um, so that and then it came out about the same time next the, the, that that, la, that la, next year. So I think the same could be said for like this is like B- Book of Boba Fett. As described before before it even came out, the rumors was this was Mandalorian season 2.5. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was. I should, should I guess we shouldn't have doubted that because that's exactly what happened. Um, for better or worse, whether you like it or not, that's this is where we had the last shot of this episode. This last episode was Mando and Grogu going off in hyperspace to set up season three. So well, not, not hyperspace. You're right. Uh, you're right. The the, 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 the the supersonic sublight engines,
2: super speed sublight, but it's still made for a really cool iris out. Like I, I, I loved how in chapter five, we're seeing them build this Naboo starfighter, another crossover that I did not know that I needed, but was so happy to get like to have that reference and, and to see them using a starfighter, and, and I'm sitting here listening to Pelly explain it, and she's like, It's fast, it's strong, it's small, it is pre Empire, so it'll fly under the radar. It's got a lot of handcrafted parts, which is a personal touch that we all know Mando really likes things with a personal touch to them. Like, I know the Razor Crest was like his ship. But honestly, a Naboo Starfighter fits his personality so damn well. And going back to the original thought that I had before, when they were building it, I was like, I don't know what they're going to do about that droid port, but I hope they dome it over so that there's room for a second passenger. (laughs) And then what do they do? They make room for another passenger. We all knew who was going in there. We all
1: knew. We see what you're doing there.
2: We all knew who was going to end up in that second compartment. For now, it'll be the bounty, the quarries that he goes after. But we all knew that at some point, eventually, I didn't think it was going to happen in Book of Boba Fett, but we all knew that at some point it was going to be Grogu that ends up in that co-pilot spot. And so it it was satisfying. It It made yeah. me happy to see
0: that.
1: It's amazing how Ooh. out of all the things over the past, you know, Eight ish years we've been this new disney era of star wars i didn't think that the boba fett show was going to be the thing that would have the most prequel references specifically the most references to attack of the clones (laughs) like and look we heard those rumors years ago when they were talking about um you know doing a boba fett movie this was this was a, a rumor long before the Disney sale. They were somebody, okay, let's do a Boba Fett movie. There's no more Star Wars movies, let's do a Boba Fett movie. And uh, you know, that's the whole thing. And they were talking about, oh, we're gonna recast him and we're gonna he's gonna be a man with no name anymore. And it's not gonna be Tim Morrison. And he's not gonna have all that 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 uh backstory from Attack of the Clones that nobody likes, blah 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 blah. And now they totally leaned into it. You totally got, you know, it wasn't you know it wasn't moss isley they were in moss espa a location introduced in the prequels you got the nabu starfighter you got all those flashbacks to attack of the clones and to a camino um not to mention you know just so many other little things thrown in there well, i mean there
0: was
2: were... i mean there was also reference to the trash compactor from episode 4 there was also references to um i mean r5 was in a new hope yeah
1: And you had a a BD-1.
2: You got a bd droid from Fallen Order. Like, there were a lot of references to the rest of the universe in this show. And I think that's what surprises me the most is that there's original trilogy references, prequel trilogy references, Clone Wars, Fallen Order, like, even the sequel trilogy to some extent. Because the temple that's being built is the one that Kylo Ren eventually burns down. Like, there's even sequel trilogy foreshadowing in there. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, Book of Boba Fett has some of the most comprehensive Star Wars of anything we've ever gotten.
1: The, it's it's a master class in, like, a connected universe. Mm-hmm. It, it really, I think, the, it's probably the this, this show's biggest strength is the fact that it feels like it's in the Star Wars universe. I I like the sequel trilogy, but those movies did their damnedest to not mention anything to do with the prequel trilogy, anything with the clone wars or anything. Yep. They were their own things. Yeah. And this these shows are not that. And Book of Boba is like the culmination, it's the pinnacle of like we're throwing in clone wars references, we're throwing in rebels references, we're throwing in video games You know, even comic stuff, Chrysanthemum's right out of the comics. like, It's like they were like a checklist. Like, let's try to get every single thing we could possibly, every single reference from every single Star Wars property imaginable in this. And of course, now on top of, you know, more references to the the holiday special and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's crazy.
2: Well, and then if you want to take it a step further, I know we see them in the Clone Wars uh, first, but we could even... Argue the case that there's a bit of a solo crossover because the main antagonist is the Pike Syndicate.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like it, it came from the Clone award but they're most prominent in Solo. So and and they're most developed and you know the first live action appearance. So like that's directly taken from that. um You know and and probably not maybe not a coincidence that you've got Bryce Dallas Howard working on this and you know she you know her father was heavily involved in Solo. So. Uh...
2: Our friend Matthew commented in the Intergalactic Peace Hangout chat earlier today that our two main topics being the Dominion trailer and this TV show. This is basically a Bryce Dallas Howard episode. (laughs)
1: I'm telling you, like, she's having a year (laughs) and a half, like, some incredible direction. And from what we can tell, some incredible acting in that thing where she's underwater and she's, like, having to hold her breath. So, oh, man. Oh, my God. Gosh, that gave
2: me chills. Gave me chills, like another one of those money shots um, that I was talking about earlier. But here's the deal. The Return of the Mandalorian episode, even though it did not have Boba Fett in it, it does have the Night of a Thousand Tears. It does have training with the Darksaber and in my opinion it also has allusions to what Mando season 3 is going to entail because now that he's got Grogu back that's a storyline we don't have to worry about in season 3 and since he's been exiled from his clan he is a very people person even though he seems solitary he is like a family driven type of person and he he's gotten a bit of a family on Tatooine with, with Peli and the gang now but I think he's also going to seek out his other family. Now that he has reunited with Grogu, and now that he knows he needs to set foot on Mandalore in order to atone for his quote-unquote sins, I could definitely see him helping Bo Katan retake Mandalore.
1: Yeah, I think I think Mandalore is obviously showing up now. Like that's a sure. given. He has now more than one reason one very good reason and one kind of dumb reason to go to 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 go to atone for taking his mask off (laughs) um but uh you know that whole thing i think the tension
2: between them is going to be so fun to watch because he possesses the dark saber so he could technically be the ruler of mandalore and just be like a puppet ruler the way um the way Vizsla was supposed to be a puppet ruler for Maul. You know, he could be the quote-unquote face while Bo-Katan does the actual ruling. Or you know that it's an uneasy alliance as the two of them go into battle together because eventually, at some point, possibly in the season finale, there's going to be a trial of combat of some sorts where she's going to try and win it legitimately from him in like a like a legit duel.
1: I I don't see a way out of this where Bo-Katan and Din Djarin don't fight. Like I feel like that that duel is coming. Um who knows? It might have already happened. I don't know. Like um because it, I feel 'cause like that the whole thing was like he's trying to give it to her and he's like, well it's gonna be taken. Like maybe she would just attack him or whatever. I've always liked the idea of like Bocatan becoming an antagonist and you know maybe being someone who's just driven by bitterness and all this kind of stuff and just trying to get this trying to get mandalore back and and here this guy that doesn't even want it ends up with the dark saber gets up with the one thing she wanted
2: hey katie sackoff and pedro pascal both have the range to pull off a dynamic like that if they actually do that then i'm all for it that's gonna be incredible gonna be incredible okay back
1: to Boba Fett back Boba
2: to Boba Fett. Fett you know the guy that this show is supposed to be about We're
1: getting as distracted as the show was that
2: talking about. that is the thing though I think that is like one of the the things about this show you spend like three episodes doing all of this backstory of what has Boba done lately and it gets overshadowed time and a half by an episode that doesn't even have him in it is that is that the mark of good storytelling because it's got range or is it the mark of poor storytelling and poor character development that we're talking more about Mandalorian than we are about the guy the show's supposed to be named after?
1: And, and see, I think that's one of the failures of this show. I will be point blank. I will say it's a failure of this show that I, do, I feel like Mandalorian season one and two, granted, two seasons of television, a bit more time still did such a great job characterizing Din Djarin and 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 also Grogu but I think Din Jarren especially making him one of the most beloved Star Wars characters of all time in a short period of time. You're talking Grogu,
2: about Din or are you talking about
1: Grogu? I'm talking about Din. I'm talking about Din. Hey, Grogu Din- obviously isn't there. Din
2: doesn't have plush animals selling by the millions and having people just talk about quote-unquote baby Yoda even though they have no idea what's happening in Star Wars. Like, like I'm going to be honest. I know she's watching right now. Baby, I love you. But the whole reason I was able to convince her to watch Mandalorian with me was because of Grogu, not because of the Mandalorian.
1: The only reason my mom is watching Book of Boba Fett because she knows Grogu's back. <laughs>
2: It's just a fact. I think I think people watch these shows for baby Yoda more than they do for someone like Din Djarin or Boba Fett. Let's be totally honest for a second. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. For sure. But that first episode that doesn't even have Grogu in it, I saw the outpouring, the reaction that episode got. It was astounding um and people have a connection with that character a lot to do with grogu and the fact that it's, it's grogu's dad he's he's famous because he's he's got a famous son um but uh i think you know that cool. character i think they did such a good job of developing that character and having him have such a, a a great character arc and people love him and people by default also love grogu so now you going forward with that you're like okay let's do that for boba fett Oh, Boba Fett actually has a leg up because he has already a built-in fan base of people that already love him just because he looks cool. <laughs> just because he's a freaking badass, he looks cool. And I feel like they didn't do enough to, to think – they were on the right track. I think the first few episodes, even though they were slow and they may have gone in different a few different directions that they shouldn't have, they still were in the right direction of like humanizing him, making him more – making his turn to being more of a anti-hero or even a good guy make more sense because he was a bad dude in the original trilogy um going forward and, and developing him and giving him this new kind of sensibilities i think was wonderful but they just didn't go far enough and then right when you get to like i think episode four was like great i love that episode. like oh this is fantastic it, you're you're catching everything up now we don't have to worry about the flashbacks anymore we're all dealing with the fun hey, and then freaking mandalorian in the face and and like it 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 felt like a left a left left turn that the show didn't really need and i could have waited to see more dinjarin i wanted more boba fett i just i'm conflicted about this i'm not <laughs>
2: i'm i'm not conflicted in the least I I think that the the, the show up until Chapter 5 was such a mixed bag that it was the stability of an already established character like Din that helped bring the story home. I think if it continued in a mixed bag and they hired people other than Din, if they went and hired Bosk, if they went and hired Dengar, if they went and hired Cad Bane and he had worked for them instead of working uh, for the other side... If they had brought in all of these other characters that were just as not established as Boba was, it would have felt even more of a mixed bag because you didn't know, am I supposed to be cheering on Cad Bane or am I supposed to be cheering on uh, uh, Boba? And so by having a stabilizing character that everybody knows, recognizes, and can anticipate what their reactions, motives and moves are going to be by bringing in that stability I think his interactions with the other characters helped make those characters make more sense. And, and I know that I'm probably like advocating for, you know, the Mandalorian being in a show that's not even his, but the, the, the interaction that they have in the finale where he's talking about, I'm with you until we fall. You already know that that is a Din Djarin precedent. He is honor bound to follow through with his commitments. We don't necessarily know that Boba Fett is that honor bound. He hasn't backed it up with his actions all that much, save for helping rescue baby Yoda in Mando season two. That's really the only example we've got of his character and his honor up until this point, because right after he does that, he immediately goes to Tatooine and kills Bib Fortuna in cold blood. Like, do we know what this guy's about? No. But do we know what Din Djarin is about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the dialogue that happens between the two of them actually helps Boba's character grow, in my opinion. I, I keep saying this. I keep saying it's in my opinion because I, I, keep, I keep wanting to like only speak for myself. But when, when Din's honor-bound actions are playing off of an ambiguous character like Boba Fett, we get a better grasp on who Boba is based on how he converses with a character that we already know. And so when when he says you really buy into all that Bantha fodder, it's like, okay, that's letting us know he doesn't subscribe to the Mandalorian Creed, but he sure as hell is grateful that he is comrades with somebody who does. So he's he's almost like a Mandalorian agnostic to a certain extent, (laughs) like he doesn't really know if it works or not, but he is open to having those conversations with people and is not opposed to asking them questions and asking them for help. And that one scene helped me realize more than him saying this is my territory to the twins or him saying this is my family now to, you know, Fennec Shan. That conversation actually shed a lot more light onto what Boba is and what he stands for than a lot of other things in the show to me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I will agree. I think the last episode is pretty good in the sense that it's, it's a lot about characterizing boba how he plays off of din um how he interacts with cad bane cad bane being his i mean it's not really outlined in the show which is a whole other short story but like cad bane being his mentor being someone who cad bane doesn't have a character arc he is bad and he's always been bad he's always been a bad guy he's always been a ruthless bounty hunting killer from when way back when he showed up in hostage crisis to right now he's a bad guy he does bad things boba fett does have a character arc you know cad bane is a reflection of who boba fett could be and who really cad bane probably wanted him to be wanted him to be this you know ruthless killer like him and he, he says like oh, i knew you were a killer or whatever else um I, I like that idea that that comes up in this episode, and and it playing off this two of the most popular bounty hunters in in Star Wars finally meeting and and having them play off each other and and implying all the history that we kind of knew, we kind of didn't was great. Um, I wanted more of that though. I wanted more of that. I wish I I think I think if I was. It's funny you 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 say this a lot. You're like, if I was writing this, I was this, I'm going to play you for a second. If yeah, I was writing this season. Cad Bane would have shown up episode one. Episode one, Cad Bane would have showed up, and it would have been all about their relationship, and Boba having this reflection of himself of he's a killer, all this kind of stuff. He worked for the Empire. And him dealing with that and them whole things. And he doesn't have to show up in every episode, but I think having the presence of Cad Bane there from the beginning, I think, would have been way better and also would have felt better in the end when he dies. But do you feel like they would have
2: necessitated even more flashbacks than ones that flash all the way back to the two of them working together and like, like following up on the allusion to Cad Bane's reference of this isn't the first time that I beat you out on a job? Like... Would they have had to go flash even further back than what they already did and done more flashbacks in order to provide better context of their relationship? Because I don't think dialogue would have been enough. I don't think him like opening up to Fennec about who Cad Bane is to him would have been sufficient as far as the character growth that you're describing.
1: I think uh, – well, since we're since we're re- completely rewriting the season, I'm just going to go, go for it.
2: this whole thing and saying so, we could do better than John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So
1: if I was in control, I would be like, okay, the Tuscans were great, but it went on too long, and it didn't go anywhere because they all ended up dead, so – let's just spend like one or two episodes with flashbacks with the tuscans and the rest of it can be about cat bane or you can have flashbacks with Django, or something like that or flashbacks with Fennec Shand, um you know showing how they got the slave one and like that can be it and then like have all this stuff i think there was there was a better way to construct all this i feel like you're description of it's a mixed bag i think kind of represents my feelings overall in the season it's a very mixed bag there's a lot of stuff i really really love there's bobo riding rancor you know dropping a, a, a seismic charge in the sarlacc pit like there's so many outstanding moments in this show that i cheered i loved but also, I'm just like left scratching my head with a lot of other things too, and like, why did they do that? I just you know don't get it. Um, I need to rewatch the whole season again and like get get my thoughts better, I guess, but
2: while we're while we're airing our grievances, um <laughs> i got I got something else that I need to pick a bone with, and this is something that became like a a trend of certain subsets of Twitter. And for a while, I was like, wow, y'all will nitpick anything. But then when I would watch the show and then I'd go back and watch it again with my fiance, I would just be like, really? Okay, I kind of see where you're coming from. And that would be the Moss Vespas. (laughs) I like the idea of modified humans. I like the idea of a mod parlor. It reminds me of certain tattoo parlors that I service ATM machines for in my workplace. Like, I totally get the vibe that they're coming from with this. But you've seen speeders that go hella fast in this show. And then these ones, have you ever seen Despicable Me?
1: No, I have not. What? I know, I know. You have never seen Gru and the little yellow guys! I know. Shame on me. There's a scene where
2: one of Gru's henchmen who's not a villain, or not, a, not a minion, he is a villain, but he's not a minion. His name is Dr. Nefario. He's voiced by Russell Brand. And at one point, he's like, Quick! We have to warn him! And fast! And he like, revs up his motorized scooter and like, vroom, vroom! And then it goes, ee! for like like super super slow for like exaggerated comedic effect but sometimes when i'm watching those speeders go through the streets of mas Espa, i'm sitting here going why was this speeder not overtaken like almost instantly Because even the speeder that Fennec rides out in, in Episode 7, when she's trying to head over to Moss Isley, did you see how fast she zipped down the lane? Blink and you miss it. That speeder, that speeder, zoom, no problem. But with these Power Ranger mopeds, it takes a while to pedal. It almost felt like a Flintstones mobile. It's like, would it help if I got out and pushed? Like, oh my
1: gosh. What
2: is the bantha power on those things? Because it is not enough.
1: Bantha power. Um, it's funny. I had no problems with like a lot of people were like really hung up on like the looks of and everything like that. And I didn't. I didn't think, I thought the, I thought the I thought the mods themselves look cool. And I thought that mm-hmm. obviously going for a look with like the style of the scooters. And if you don't like it, whatever. Um, but you know, uh, was that, I always had no problems with the yeah. style. It reminded me of like a biker gang. That's what it was supposed to remind me
2: of my problem was the speed you guys were uh, cool it, was, you're, it was really weird you look like grandparents going for a race down
1: route 66 it it feels like i think the problem with that i think they tried too hard to like make it all practical and like have like obviously the the scooters like obviously just like that you can see like they're all low to the ground they obviously it's just a motorcycle they just put a covering over it and they didn't want to CGI a lot of stuff, so they just made it all practical. And to do it practically, they had to do it really slow. You to know the they point. Go ahead. To
2: to your point, they did that in a new hope also.
1: Yeah, but there was no like chase in a new hope. Like he just it glides cha- around.
2: But they had to blur it out. Because, right,
1: it, right. because
2: it had it had a bottom to it and like the, the pole that was holding it up when it was dragging it around uh was visible in some of the shots, and so they had to kind of, like, blur it out, CGI it out, and I feel like that's kind of what they did here, was these things obviously have wheels, and they're just kind of blurring it out, similar to what they did with blurring out the bottom of the speeder in A New Hope. Yeah,
1: I just, it, it just, I think they were like, oh, it's gonna all be real, so they just did it, and they can only do, like, eight miles per hour <laughs> with these mopeds with these giant, you know, rigs on top of them. Um I think it would have been a lot better if they just like gone screw it let's do it all CG and let's make it look really really nice because you look at CG in like the last episode with like that rancor my god it looked good um so they definitely had the budget in this show and that was not a problem
2: Steven's trying to pick a fight with me in the chat and he says it's like if you got this new burger place that's trying to find its feet and then it gets replaced by McDonald's or what a burger <laughs> Watt, like JJ J. Watt, or like how Power, are like, you, like Power Watts? Uh, mm, says it gets replaced by by a McDonald's or a whataburger for a couple of episodes. Newsflash, Stephen, I freaking love the Patty Melt. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> this
1: not- is not a good analogy.
2: You just made my whole point for me, man. If there's a struggling burger joint that could make itself better by borrowing from Whataburger's ideas and recipes, then yes, introduce a patty melt to your boring ass menu to spice it up a little bit. Go and buy a bottle of spicy ketchup from the Kroger down the street and put it on your burgers to spice it up a little bit. Like, I I get the argument that people are making that's like, you advertise me pizza and I don't care how good your burger is, I wanted pizza. But going back to what you were saying earlier, this has comprehensive Star Wars in it. And you can't call it the Star Wars show because guess what? That name has been taken for years. But in all honesty, this show is supposed to be more about the galaxy far far away than it is about any particular one character. Din is only in it for 3 out of the 7 episodes. It's not like he completely takes over the whole show. But it's also not like this is completely Boba Fett's show either. I get both sides of the argument. I really do. But I would assert that the only reason people are complaining at all is because the show was misnamed
1: it was i i think well i think honestly though i you have to get past the name honestly you can't i i think i think simply saying you can have any opinion you want on the show but i think simply saying oh it's called the book of boba fett and it doesn't have enough boba fett in it that's like very surface level and 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 like eh, that's a kind of a shaky argument Um, you know, I, I think my, my ultimate like thing with it is is like, I don't care what it's called. I can get over that fact. I can get over, you know, what, what it's named, call it whatever you want. Um, yes, it was mistitled. It should have been called something else. Maybe it should have been Mandalorian season three, just with a subtitle or something like that. I like that idea. But ultimately my only complaint is like, just from the perspective of Boba Fett and his hand, his story
2: here's here's the problem with that though if you did call it mandalorian season three you're going to have mandalorian fans bitching that there's too much boba fett for four episodes where the hell's
1: mando we don't have mando this is mando season three and he doesn't show up until episode five and, and you see can't... there they in therein lies the issue is like maybe just like keep a focus on one character the character whose name is in the title I mean
2: here's the deal man and I, and i'm I hate to be opening this can of worms. I really do, and I'm apologizing in I'm apologizing in advance for opening it, and you're probably gonna have to get the bleeper out when you're putting this in post op, but I don't care what its title is. I still think the last Jedi is more shit than it is good. You don't have to call it anything, I still have shit opinions. ...of The Last Jedi. But it could be called... ...The Book of Kylo Ren. I would
1: still think it's shit. But it's, it's called... ...It's called The Last Jedi... ...and it's about The Last Jedi. That That's good titling. <laughs> that's my, good storytelling. My, my point is... ...the titling isn't
2: important. It's not as important... ...as what story gets told... ...within the title. I don't care if it really is... ...about The Last Jedi... I didn't
1: like the story it told. And yeah, I mean, I, okay, and, you know, like, I'm I, saying I'm saying I don't like the title or the story. <laughs> That's my thing.
2: Okay. I liked I liked the story. I liked the incorporation of the Mandalorian. I feel like it saved the show. If you don't have Mandalorian playing the role that he does, if you don't have Din and Grogu showing up and playing the role that they do, then Even if you keep Boba in the show with the prominence that he does for those last three episodes, I don't think it saves the show. I had very mixed feelings about the first three episodes, the first four episodes even. I found it very, very mixed, and I feel like those last three episodes kind of saved it. And if we don't have that type of storytelling, if we don't have Bryce Dallas Howard and Dave Filoni directing, if we don't have those things... Then I feel like the Boba Fett fans would still find something to complain about. I, I I feel like if it's not one thing, it would be something else. I don't feel like their frustrations are as much at the Mandalorian as they are at not getting the story about Boba Fett that they wanted. I yeah. I I I yeah. think, and again, this is just me. And I feel like I've been monologuing a lot, so I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up after this. But I think having Boba Fett have a character arc was a risky move that was going to upset people. I think by giving him development, by giving him an arc, by giving him a family and a purpose and all of this other stuff, instead of just trying to rule because he could rule, it it wasn't it wasn't out of ambition it was out of being a family again like if you gave him tatooine just to rule it then he almost is is consistent with the ambitions that we see in the clone wars and that we see in um the original trilogy if he holds the consistency that cad bane held I feel like people might have accepted him a little bit more. I feel like they would have said, this is on par with the Boba Fett that I know. This is on par with the Boba Fett that I have come to read about in the comics, that I have come to see in different iterations of movie and TV. This is my Boba Fett, more or less. As soon as you give him an arc, as soon as you give him a heart, as soon as you give him something that is different from the character that we know, all of a sudden people are like, this isn't my Boba Fett.
1: And that's that's the thing. That's the thing. People all the time, on the internet especially, Mm -hmm. um, will complain and go – Oh, I don't like this sequel or remake or whatever. It's just all the same. Hollywood is run out of ideas, all this kind of stuff. You hear it all the time. Every comment section you go into. Yep. But the moment, the moment a writer decides, hey, I'm going to take this character and I'm going to do something different with them, people lose their damn minds. They do. It happens all the time. They do. and you know like you know you you don't like and look these are objective these are these are objective things and you know yep. you can you can like or dislike the direction when things change people just don't like change and that's that's ultimately no, the problem they don't. um you and you can totally dislike this version of it the same thing happened with luke skywalker yeah. luke skywalker went off in a different direction and people some people liked it some people didn't me, I liked it. You, you yeah. didn't. You know, that, that's the whole thing. But like when you change it, you're going to lose a certain amount of the population, a certain amount of the audience of the demographic demographic, and go like, nah, I'm checking out. This isn't what feels like Luke Skywalker or Boba Fett or any other character really. Um, and so with Boba Fett, I think I applaud what they did with the show. I, I genuinely applaud that they tried to kind of finish what George Lucas started. If you look back at the Clone Wars, um, he wasn't trying to turn him into this ruthless killer. He was trying to make him into this conflicted anti-hero, basically, um, who would become a killer, who would become a terrible person, but was still kind of on the fence. Um, and him bringing back to that and him having this, this experience coming out of the Starlight pit, I think all that stuff was really good, some of the, some of the strongest stuff in this show. Um but it's just kind of all over the place after that. And I think where we're missing it, there is that turning point where I was, you didn't like the show from the beginning. I was kind of okay with it. I started liking it. And then I did, 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 it wasn't thing. And you were like, with a lot of other people going like, this is great. Finally, the characters that I like are in this show. This is fantastic. And that's the whole thing. That's the conflict of this, of like, it's, it, It's all the show is kind of all over the place. I don't think it's any I don't think it's making anybody. 100 percent happy at the end of the day, it is kind of a mixed bag.
2: No, it's not. I I, like when we get to the planet scores, it's not going to be a perfect 10 out of 10, even though I feel like chapter five is a perfect 10 out of 10 in Star Wars storytelling.
1: Yep, me too.
2: I, I feel like it is some of the best Star Wars material that we've ever gotten, period. It's, That's it's a ten up out of ten
1: episode, but not every, some of the episodes are like closer to a five for me. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes, hundred percent, totally agree. Because like, um, what was it? Chap- chapters two and three were probably like around a five or six for me, and and even the the season finale was probably somewhere around an eight, maybe.
1: Like I was very underwhelmed by the opening episode, like episode one. Like I like that they they showed us him getting on the starlink, but the rest of it was like what the hell is this like i was very like i think i think that's where the the tuscan stuff really wasn't connecting with me it wasn't until like the tuscans were dead (laughs) that i actually like was going like okay this is actually i'm kind of getting into this um it's just you know it is a i think it hurt it's it's weird because mandalorian was so great and so perfect (laughs) um it's it's hard coming into a new show and going like This isn't. I can't just say that I love it. I love everything about it. No, it's 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 more complicated than that. It, you have to have a nuanced opinion, and I know those aren't very popular on the internet these days.
2: Yeah, yeah. And what I'm gonna have to do for my overall planet score is I'm gonna have to average it out. Like I've got I've got scores for basically every chapter. Like I just went through and was like, yeah, I'll give it this one. I'll give it this one. I'll probably give it this, and then this one's gonna get a 10. This one's gonna get this. This one's
1: gonna get this. I got, I gave the season overall last night of Star Wars Underworld an eight out of 10. Now I'm, after having this discussion, I'm like, I'm not sure I can give it that now. I think it's gonna go lower.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, and what's funny is I came into this discussion this is this is really ironic like i just did the math and was like i was gonna give it somewhere around this guess what it's exactly that number
1: oh wow i love like your brain is just working like i didn't i didn't do this
2: on purpose i was like yeah it's probably around here but now that i've done the math it's like that's where it's at okay like it's it's such it's such a mixed bag it really is and go ahead no no Go ahead. I I
1: just, I just wanted to, we're, we're kind of going back and forth negative positively. I want to kind of start ending on something positive. Sure. And I want to, I want to throw it to you. Do you have a favorite moment or moments that you just like really loved in this show?
2: Oh man. Um, Probably the, the opening scene of chapter five where, where Din is back on the hunt and he's incorporating the dark saber into his combat style. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought that was awesome. Um, I liked the dinner that Boba had with the leading tribes. I feel like he should have done that almost as soon as he arrived and shouldn't have waited four episodes to do it. That was
1: a good but, scene, yeah.
2: But but having dinner directly over the Rancor pit was deliberate because you saw him and Fennec eating in the dining room in the previous episode, I think. And yeah. then you'd see him eating dinner with the tribe leaders directly over the Sarlacc pit. He knew not the Sarlacc. I'm sorry. Rancor.
1: I didn't correct you. Cause I it just went over my you head. Knew, bro, you, yeah. I knew
2: what you were talking about. <sighs> See, and then I corrected you on dinosaurs. You could have corrected me on Rancor there. You have more grace <sighs> than I do, my friend. No, but, I'm just, I'm just bad at this. He's, 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 he's having dinner over the Rancor pit and you you see the claws come up like you know that that's animatronic and i am a sucker for reptilian creature animatronics i love the t-rex in the og jurassic park like i am a sucker for that kind of thing and the way they came across all startled and stuff that was that was really great um i also really liked the tie-ins to mando season two I I liked where we were finally at a point where Mando's out in the open, not Mando, Boba. I'm really not doing good at this tonight. It's
1: getting late, guys.
2: Where Boba's out in the desert and you see those bright lights go off in the sky, and I was like, "That's the flares! That that's the flares that they're that they're shooting at Fennec! Those are the flares. We're finally caught up." Like, I got excited over that, and then probably this time we are at the Sarlacc pit. The seismic charge that destroyed the Sarlacc. It incorporated the charges we see from Episode 2, and it kills a creature from Episode 6 in a completely separate show and storyline. Like, I don't think I realized how much I enjoyed Seismic Charges until I saw them getting used in Mando Season 2 and Book of Boba Fett. But I, I feel like those are probably, like, some of my my top favorite sequences.
1: Yeah, those are all really good. Um, mine... Among mine has to be like in in the last episode where Din and Boba both come out jetpacks and guns ablazing. Oh yeah, and just start flying around like you know that was the whole like spectacle of.
2: So, Mandalorians huh? are Mandalorians have a reputation where if you see one of them, you're in trouble. Now you've got two of them, and they're practically taking out an army.
1: Yeah, exactly, and like part of the spectacle of that, uh, part of the spectacle of like. Going back to Attack of the Clones was like, oh my God, it's a Mandalorian and he's using his jetpack and all his weapons like we never seen this before. Mm-hmm. And now we're, you know, now we're here. And we've seen Mandalorians before, but like seeing two of them just go at it and being able to take down an entire army was so good. Um, I uh I, I will say going back to uh chapter four. I think that's one of my favorite episodes actually um i liked all the bits the the sonic pit scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire show i also loved all the bits in the jabba's palace and them going through there and um trying to get slave one out and you know it's not working and and see, that's one of my favorite ships of all time in star wars too so like mm-hmm. seeing the inner workings of that more was so great um
2: seeing the insides of Jabba's palace was pretty cool too because aside from maybe a, a star wars battlefront fight sequence we really don't know the configuration or the layout of the palace all that well but you know getting to see that and getting to see them sneak in that was pretty cool
1: yeah great and then the only other thing i'll say is i you know despite me arguing against it all night I loved seeing Luke Skywalker and Grogu and them training and and the unexpected arrival of Ahsoka and all that stuff. And like, I knew there was a possibility Luke could show up. I was dreading it because I really did not like how Luke appeared in Mando season two. I was really not feeling that. Like, like the CGI face and the voice really wasn't doing it for me um i've it's completely changed my mind now like i would be so down to more luke skywalker appearances maybe oh, his own show i don't know um it was amazing like almost flawless like 99 percent there like there's like just a little bit of like you can kind of certain shots you can say okay maybe it's not quite there but like for the most part absolutely breathtaking what they could do with that character, um, bringing Luke Skywalker back, and then just all the stuff that they do with Grogu. It's just great. Well, for this, haven't, didn't, didn't they
2: hire the animator from Deepfakes by this point?
1: There was a guy, Shamuk, who did Deepfakes on YouTube. They hired him, mm-hmm. and it seems like uh, he's been working hard because...
2: Uh... It's night and day. If you go back and watch the Mando season two finale and then go back and watch, what is it, chapter six? Like, completely different. Completely And it's different. like,
1: just a, this wasn't like 10 years ago. This was just a, a year or so ago when they did this. Yep. And, like, you can tell, like, the man of season 2, he's so stoked. He just kind of stands there, and he doesn't move his neck, and he just kind of moves, and he kind of says a couple things, and then he walks away. And they, you really can tell, like, they were right on the cusp. They were just barely cracking the surface. And this was like, he's doing all the stuff, and they have so many shots where they just hold on him and you know like really showing it off and like yeah we can do this we got luke skywalker in this show
2: so Stephen makes a good point in the chat he says luke looked better here but the voice sounded artificial um i i will ag- i will i will agree but i will also say that i don't know if there's any way it could have been done any better i see because, here's the thing. because but they did it correct me if i'm wrong but didn't Matthew Wood take the old phonetics of Mark Hamill's vocabulary from the 70s and 80s and basically use those phonetic sounds and pronunciations in order to synthesize new words?
1: They basically like took all kinds of audio and, and video, I'm assuming too, of Mark Hamill from uh, B-roll footage deleted scenes interviews all kinds of stuff and just fed it into a machine basically I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than just feeding it into a machine but you know basically took all this and, and combined it and that's how they created this synthesized voice which you know yet yeah, it's a little it's maybe again kind of like the visual it's maybe like 99.9% there so like it's not 100% but I think it helps that Luke especially in this time is not a super expressive character and he's not this bombastic. He's not like peak Mark Hamill. He's not even last Jedi Mark Hamill that he's, you know, so animated. Um, He's a very stoic character. So I think that helps when doing this and trying to recreate him that, you know, yeah, he sounds a little weird. Well, Luke kind of sounded weird in return of the Jedi too. He was just kind of there. So I think, I think it was as good as they could have, it could have been. Um, my regards to this. Okay, another thing we haven't really talked about much, but what did you think of the appearance of Cad Bane? How did you think that turned out?
2: I was happy. I was happy was to see, I was happy to see him because I grew up on the Clone Wars. You know, like the the Clone Wars TV show started in 2008 and I think Cad Bane made his first appearance like in late 08, early 09. I was like a sophomore in high school, dude. I was like a my sophomore. God i was like a sophomore in high school when that guy first appeared on the scene and his reckless abandon and and taking over the senate and and freeing zero the Hot was like it was a big deal to me back in 0809 and then he just kept showing up in the show he had several other appearances and anytime he showed up we were all really excited and then after the the box story arc we didn't see him again until Bad Batch. And that was what? Like a eight, nine, ten year gap? Something like that? Like, I
1: think it was nine years, yeah. A
2: nine year gap between appearances. And when he came back in the Bad Batch, I was like, oh my god! And like, if he hadn't shown up in the Bad Batch, I probably would have peed my pants a little bit seeing him in live action here in Book of Boba Fett. But... I feel like they did as best they could with taking an animated character design and making it real. Corey Burton provided the voice again. So it it sounded uh, very organic and the dude's probably like 70 plus years old by this point. So there's bound to be some physical changes from when you're in your prime in your thirties to when you're 70 plus and still trying to work and bounty hunt. Like, I I get that he's not going to look exactly the same and I'm bummed that he got killed off, but I'm also a little bit relieved to know that he died in the line of duty. You know, he wasn't one of those characters that was supposed to die of old age and to know that he died earning his money was kind of satisfying to me. It's the one job that he actually couldn't complete. And rather than, suffer the shame of having an incomplete job he died doing what he was best at
1: yeah yeah i uh i i liked uh you know that's the only bummer of Cadbane bane dying in
0: this no series. it's a
2: complete bummer it's, like, it's a complete bummer I'm, I'm sad by it but at the same time the one word that i kept having um from from finishing up this uh, season finale and i want to spend a couple of minutes on that before we close it was just the season finale itself but the one word i kept drawing from it was satisfied i was satisfied with the way things finished i was satisfied with the way things played out i was satisfied by cad bane's death i was satisfied that din and grogu were back together again like it wasn't amazing it wasn't mind-blowing it wasn't the best season finale i ever watched but i was satisfied
1: that, that, I think that one episode was probably the, one of the most impressive episodes that they've done so far in regards to the scale and the length and what they did, you know, not just, you know, with, you know, the softer moments with between Din and Boba that you talked about earlier, or to the bombastic, you know, rancor ranc- rampaging through the streets. Like that was all in all really impressive episode i gotta go watch it again man that was a good i really did enjoy that episode um so you know i think it was a great way to cap off you know yes i want a season two for reasons i've already outlined but it was a pretty darn good finale um and a great way to kind of lead into season three and wherever else it obviously expanded the universe so much it did
2: it really did okay we've been talking about like riding the rancor into battle we've been talking about you know cad bane dying we've been talking about you know din and boba you know flying onto the scene together uh those are all bits and pieces of an hour-long season finale Mm
1: -hmm.
2: let's spend let's spend a few minutes talking about that before we get to our planet scores how did you feel about you know these um the 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 two droids that showed up to wreak havoc on the city um the 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 freetown folk coming in to help save the day um the fact that chrysanthemum just seemingly could not be killed no matter how much they tried um what did what did you make of the season finale and the way that it tried to tie everything up
1: yeah like i said i think it was a solid finale and you know a very you know considering taking all taking most minus the tuscans like all the elements that have been built up over the course of the last you know six episodes and putting them together in this episode i think was really well done um and you know the 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 culmination of of, of and, and throwing grogu in the mix and you know having him put the rancor to sleep but there's so many little things and and big things that are like oh my gosh like this is this is great and having a basically a full-blown crossover like you know not just putting in din but throwing in grogu and pelimoto and all these kind of stuff and having this and you know Cobb Vanth for two seconds Um, having this full-blown you know and I kind of I think that's the lesson to take away from this show is like it or not these shows are connected they will be crossing over you will be seeing a lot of each of these characters I would expect to see Boba Fett show up probably a good bit in future seasons of Mandalorian um, and vice versa Um, so that's that's the connections they're going to continue to connect everything
2: we are getting a star Wars defenders series. That's, that's basically what this is leading up to. We're going to do some Mando. We're going to do some Boba. We're going to do some Ahsoka. We're going to do, you know, some of something else, something, something else. Maybe, maybe we'll find a way to get Rangers of the new Republic off and running at some point. But I feel that all of these things happening in the same timeline. And now that we've got like these certified multiple episode crossover events happening that eventually all of these people are going to have to team up for one particular large crisis you're going to see din you're going to see boba you're going to see pelly you're going to see ahsoka you're going to see grogu possibly even luke possibly grief karga you know you're going to have all of these classic loved characters working together on some sort of mission i can definitely see that happening.
1: Yeah. I yeah, that's that's coming. The, the expect more connections. Expect more crossovers because this is just the tip of the iceberg.
2: So the uh the Rancor pulling a King Kong, yay or nay?
1: Um I, I liked it. I liked it. You know, it's a little bit on the nose. It could have been even more on the nose because apparently in one of the pieces of concept art there is literally <laughs> a shot of the Rancor holding a female Twi'lek and climbing the building um, may have been a bit too, a bridge too far. I think they, I mean, they, they, they stopped at the right point, but uh, you know, it's still, I think having, you have a Rancor on the scene, you don't want to have a ramp rampage for a bit.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, a rampage was inevitable. It, it definitely was. And we've already had some Godzilla like features in like the Zillow beast on Coruscant. So, it it made sense. And I know that Star Wars is all about homages to classic cinema. But I'm with you that it felt probably just a little bit too on the nose. I I did love the fact, though, that it became, like, organic versus machine. And the organic Rancor ended up winning against those two droids. Because for the longest time... Not even a, a dark saber was cutting through it. Nobody's right. lasers were cutting through it. Um, I wish our friend Dan was in the chat, but I think he's probably asleep right now. I believe those droids were concepts that were supposed to be used in the Clone Wars um, or even in the prequel trilogy and never got utilized. And they pulled from concept art of Battle droids from the separatist republic and used them in this season finale, which I thought was cool.
1: Yeah, it was that was a really cool touch of you know having just supersized mm-hmm. droidicas and uh, also super super durable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even a rancor couldn't hardly take them down. But, uh, mm-hmm. but having but, but... a having a big old monster kaiju versus giant robot battle in Star Wars, uh, I I could take it. I mean
2: man versus machine taken to the next level I mean it reminded me of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from the the you know Godzilla versus Kong movie that we just had Heck not too yeah. long ago like there were definitely some vibes of of that particular nature but uh it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the finale like I said it's probably a solid 8 mm-hmm. out of 10 um, some of the storytelling didn't make a whole lot of sense. I was kind of surprised that the folks of Freetown could hide behind a stone wall and they wouldn't have that wall blasted to smithereens by these giant these giant droids. Like when e- even in my suspension of disbelief, there are some times where I see like a droid arm just cut through a pillar trying to go after somebody, but then two minutes later, it can't blast down this wall. <laughs> like, like, like. Where's the disconnect? What am I missing here? Um, but without question, Chris Santon was probably one of my favorite characters in the whole show. I, 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 I loved his his menacing appearance in episode two. Um, I, I loved that he actually pulled somebody's arm out of their socket, which is something Wookies have been known to do, but we've never actually seen it happen outside of the my Lego way. form. Um, the, the, uh, what do they call them? The, 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 the electric knuckles were a great touch, especially when he's actually in combat with the pikes. Um, I know the, the fight scene with the back to tank was kind of a little weird thing. It's like, okay, he broke his back and then he stood back up again. Like, how did that happen? (laughs) But uh, overall, I like that he started out as just a bounty hunter gladiator. And some of his story was told when they were at, um, at the oasis, when they were at the sanctuary, and his character grew from being just a gladiator bounty hunter to being a part of Boba's family now, which, yeah. which was really cool. I'm I'm glad that he got that development. I'm glad he didn't die because he may be, and no disrespect to Chewbacca, but he may be my new favorite Wookiee.
1: I'm gonna. I might agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you because it's good stuff. I loved his facial expressions and all that kind of stuff. And you know, he's very expressive in the eyes. Obviously, there's a lot of work with the prosthetics and whatever, um, making him a lot more and just the the making him a tank. Like we always knew that you know, um, you know, Chewbacca was very powerful, but like Chrysanthan is like freaking unstoppable.
2: Yeah, and that's what I loved about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of what I loved about him was. He just—he could not be stopped. He took on the mods, Boba Fennec, and the two Gamorrean guards in that throne room, which means it was like one versus eight, and he was still alive.
1: That's, yeah. that's freaking unbelievable, man! I love that he throws a pike and then, before he hits the ground, shoots him.
2: <laughs> that's great. That that reminds me of like some of the stuff that Chewie uses his bowcaster for. You know?
1: Yeah it love love a giant hairy beast with a giant gun.
2: You really do. It's it's hard it's hard to complain about something like that. And even though we have issued quite a few complaints, um I think it it may be time to go ahead and do like our our overall ranking for this show because we do have one more segment that is somewhat related to what we've been talking about. Indeed. Um and uh then we got to then we got to call it a night. So Time to give our like official ratings of this show as a whole. Um do you want to lead off or do you want me to lead off?
1: I think I have my thoughts collected most for the most part. What? Um or, I or... like I said there was a lot to love about Book of Boba Fett. There's a lot I loved about this show. Um there's a lot that I didn't that didn't sit right with me. That you know I I felt that could have been done better, could have been, you know, you know, I just <laughs> left wondering like Favreau Rodriguez what are you doing guys you know there's certain things that I think could have been done a lot better but you know as the sum of the parts goes it's it is it is was a very enjoyable show um, some episodes were subpar maybe something. Sub- you know I, I may not go back and watch for a long time um, other episodes were absolutely some of the best Star Wars that I think has ever been created um, so it really was a mixed bag because I genuinely adored most of this show. There's just a few things and I'm like, eh, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. Um, but overall, I think just the overall thing, like I said, chapters five, six, and seven, five, five and six in particular, I would give like a 10. I would give the, you know, maybe the the last episode, maybe a, a nine or an eight, um, the overall season I would give uh I'll give it a seven point five out of ten, okay, so
2: um, like I said earlier in the show uh, i'm I'm looking at giving numbers to each of the chapters and then averaging them out. That's the only way I can justify the score that i'm that I'm giving it. Um, chapter one, I gave it a six. Chapter two, I really liked. The train scene, I really liked. Uh, the I think chapter two was the one where he does the dance with the Tuscans at the end, right?
1: Uh, yes, I believe he's. It's the one with the with the lizard the, and everything.
2: The tribes of tattooing. No, 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 where he's where he's doing the ceremonial dance and being incorporated into their tribe. I'm pretty sure that's right. chapter two. Chapter two, I would give a seven. Streets of Espa, I would give a six. Uh, Gathering Storm, I give a 7. Return of the Mandalorian, I gave a 10. From the Desert Comes a Stranger, I gave a 9. And In the Name of Honor, I gave an 8. So when you do 6 plus 7 plus 6 plus 7 plus 10 plus 9 plus 8, that is 53 points out of a possible 70 because you have like a 10-point scale for 7 episodes, right? my math right so far i think so 53 points divided by 70 possible points is 75.7 percent wow so i guess that you could round up or you could round down but it's right around that 7.5 as well
1: wow very good
2: 7.5 out of 10 so it's one of those rare times where you and I are on a, on a very similar plane, but for very different reasons.
1: Gosh, that's uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. But uh, I, I think it's funny how I think we were we were we were almost at each other's throats a few minutes ago about this, but we kind of landed in the same place. Mm hmm.
2: It, it, and you know that's the beauty of this show man we've done 340 episodes before this one and i think we've we've kind of learned how the give and take works there were there were certain elements and certain things that that you really appreciated and enjoyed there were things that that i really appreciated and enjoyed and we both had critiques of it that ended up knocking points out of making it a a perfect show and uh overall it sounds like we're we're both in the boat for different reasons of going seven and a half out of 10. And honestly, I feel like that's very appropriate. I think there are some people that are going to rank it higher. And I feel like there's some people that are going to rank it lower. But overall, I think that's a fair place for you and I as hosts to put it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's good. That's good. Bring Bring on season two, guys. We both agree, I think season two needs to happen please
2: i'd I'd be open to season two uh, as long as it's about moving the story forward uh my one of my biggest one of my biggest gripes was too many flashbacks let's see what boba's doing now not what boba used to
1: do let's flash forward flash to the future
2: sure let's 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 go back to the future oh no that's a different franchise oh oh (laughs) okay Let's go Let's go into our final segment of the evening while we get our scores in in the chat. Steven has given it a 7 out of 10. Uh, I saw our friend Danny Dukes in the chat earlier. I hope he's still around. Uh, Jesse's been hovering in and out. I hope you guys are still along for the ride and giving us your ratings out of 10. If you haven't clicked like on the video yet, please do that. It helps boost our ratings. Uh, go subscribe to us on our socials and all that good stuff. But uh, if you're still in the chat, then break out those hashtags as well because it's time for a really, really special episode of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue!
0: Barbecue! 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 Barbecue it, Barbecue it, Barbecue it. Barbecue. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue.
1: Barbecue. 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 Watch. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. I hadn't done that in a while. Yeehaw.
2: Been a while because we don't play the music anymore. Now that we're live on YouTube, we don't have time for that segment I'm music. Bringing it back. Why not? Why the hell not? And what's funny is. It was the, was it the season finale? It was. was Yeah, yeah, it was. Right after Grogu puts the Rancor to sleep, which is a really cool force power, by the way. I know we didn't really mention it, but to to have the ability to heal and the ability to force jump like we saw him do in two episodes and to have the ability to use the force to put. He
1: jumped into Din's arms. My
2: heart exploded. (laughs) It was awesome, but when that happens, Pelly walks up, sees that the Rancor isn't dead, and her first thing out of her mouth was, "What?" I feel like you're trying to pull up the audio.
1: I, I, well, I'm trying to like get the quote up. I'm afraid that if I play it. (laughs) We'll We're get, gonna get banned.
2: We'll, yeah, we'll get slapped with copyright. That's so boring. I'm trying to
1: like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like get to the scene and see exactly what she says. I can re- read the closed captioning. I'm pretty sure she
2: says, "Looks like there's not going to be a barbecue."
1: Yeah, it says like, last time Din took down a beast and and, and or Grogu in this mm-hmm. case, um, there was a, a, a it, it died and they That's cut right. it up and ate it.
2: It was a great um, dragon, and there was a great barbecue from that crate dragon
1: if i will try to include the audio in the audio version of the podcast because we can usually get away with stuff like that there um but on the on the youtube video um i'm not sure but um i'm, I'm it's coming up i'm pretty sure cuz uh i'm i'm watching it and grogu goes freaking adorably to go lie down <laughs> next to it and take a nap because he's all tuckered out from using the force mm-hmm. as he does Yep. and he she says I'm guessing there's not gonna be a barbecue I'm guessing there's not gonna be a barbecue yep, yep. which is funny because she's not
2: she's not exactly like the size of mama the hut you know so she doesn't strike me as the type that would be thinking with her stomach
0: yeah. but
2: but she's got an eye for good meat and uh, she's not the only one that's that's got an eye for good meat. You and I both uh, very very much appreciate good barbecue. And dude, let me tell you, I had some good barbecue today and yesterday. Mm. So, like I'm, I think you saw it on socials, but I'm gonna send it to you in the private chat as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to my favorite barbecue place uh, with my coworker slash brother-in-law mm. yesterday. And this platter is designed to feed two people, and it's called the El Jefe. Sometimes it's got a smoked quail on it, but this time they had pork belly burnt ends. And we got four of the little pork belly burnt ends, uh, a solid pound of brisket at least, because that's like five strips there, plus a, a jalapeno sausage link, uh, probably about a half a pound of pulled pork and two full-size pork ribs with two family sides. One of them brisket baked beans and one of them spicy mac and cheese. And let me tell you, my my brother-in-law eats pretty damn well. Like, he, he's got hollow legs or something.
1: <laughs> he's one of those.
2: He claims that he had a pretty big dinner at 9 o'clock the night before. But he really loves Carolina pulled pork because he's from South Carolina and he ate pretty much all of that pulled pork. Oh, yeah. Underneath the sausage, there's also like three big slabs of turkey underneath there, too. Dang. So you got one.
1: Oh, my God. They just piled it on, didn't they?
2: Yeah. They got one, two, three, four, five, six different kinds of meat on this platter with two family sides. Any, Any 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 guesses what this can go for?
1: Oh, I'm guessing twenty five dollars.
2: This is a lot more meat than twenty five bucks. I'm afraid. Oh, is, really? I mean, a, bri- a a pound of brisket's going for about eighteen right now.
1: Oh yeah, you're right because inflation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So we got I'm. Are we looking at more like thirty five? We're looking
2: at forty, my dude. Woo! Wow. We're looking at 40 bucks worth of food here, but, but it's enough to feed two people pretty happily. I've, I've been, I, 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 there was enough for leftovers. I had two pieces of Turkey and a strip of brisket and, uh, some pickles and onions and some bread for my dinner tonight. Like I had an, I had enough that it served as a, as a decent, uh, leftover meal as well. That's so.
1: good. the presentation is great too i love the oh um dude. Uh, you actually you should i think where did you post this did you post this in the peacekeeper corps
2: uh maybe i also put it on my personal page and on twitter and places like that i actually oh, tagged wow. the barbecue restaurant on twitter and they retweeted me and i got like 14 15 likes from their followers and stuff
1: that's fantastic
2: the, um but
1: but the- the awesome. presentation here is is great. Like uh, just you know, they they just piled it on. I I you know, yeah, $40 is cheap is steep. But uh <laughs> it's uh it's that's a lot of food and it looks really really good. Mm-hmm. Um and genuinely like the the ribs look very very uh very juicy. Um, oh, Everything yeah. looks really good. The sides look oh. great. The, the pork looks really good. Yeah, everything's good.
2: It was so good that we Hardly touch the sauce, and to me, that is the mark of good barbecue is when you have the sauce optional but then don't have to use it that much. Yeah, um, so if you're ever in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, be sure to hit up me and I will help you hit up Hurtado Barbecue in Arlington. That's
1: great, sounds great. All, all right.
2: right. All righty, all righty. I know, I know we're getting we're getting late. We're coming up on 2 hours of broadcasting. It's it's past midnight on the east coast. Hour
1: 55:46.
2: it it'll, it'll be right at about a 2 hour episode, which is just good timing for us. That's about what we're we are We covered planning.
1: a lot. We covered a lot. I'm proud of us. We did we, we did, did a lot this episode. Sometimes we don't get to the news, but we we had some important stuff to take care of this week.
2: We did we did and we got it all done and we'll be back in 2 weeks doing a top 5 and maybe some news and some other good stuff and then after that unfortunately baseball season's kicking up and I'm gonna going to be gone for a few episodes here and there but uh we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. In the meantime, be sure to hit us up on all of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, ipc podcast at those places you can subscribe to the podcast on ipcpodcast.podbean.com you can find swag at tpublic.com slash user slash ipcpodcast You can find other awesome content right here on Phantom Empire. I'm assuming that you have already browsed through their different episodic options. There's some really great stuff that happens here throughout the week. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so you know when that new content is coming out and when new IPC episodes are coming out as well. And uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, please hit subscribe, leave a rate and review and all that good stuff to help keep boosting us on the interwebs we appreciate everybody's support
1: absolutely um you can follow me personally at ben hart with no e especially go follow me on twitter where i'm not tweeting anymore
2: (laughs) yeah you've been taking like an extended hiatus and i saw you post something about how the time you've been off of twitter is the time that all of your fan pages are experiencing like the most growth is that right
1: uh Star Wars Underworld has experienced the greatest growth in its history. In its <laughs> eleven year history this past like week or two. That's um, um yeah, we're we're approaching a hundred thousand followers. I don't mean to brag, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's pretty good. <laughs>
2: That's pretty damn cool. Man.
1: So follow at the Star Wars Underworld. Be one of the hundreds of other people, actually thousands, who have, uh, have joined us the past week or so. Um, and uh, yeah, over at Culture Slate too, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We got all kinds of podcasts and stuff. Great stuff.
2: Podcasts that happen at three in the morning, right after. Yes, yeah, some
1: of them actually. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh man! And as for me, you can find me at Zach the Voice on pretty much any platform: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. TikTok. i'm getting ready to launch a twitch channel with my buddy mondo uh if you want to send a tip you can do that on venmo it's all the same username it's that username right there zach the voice z-a-c-h the voice on all platforms but uh pretty much all things sci-fi and geeky you'll find getting posted about or reposted over on uh, the ipc page so be sure to follow that and then you can keep up with all the other stuff that we're doing as well ben unless you've got any other thoughts i think we may be done with this
1: i think i've i've shared too many thoughts tonight all right so i just <laughs> need to shut the heck up and go to bed um and i i i, I, I appreciate get to
2: tomorrow yay weekend shift <sighs> me too i'm not gonna
1: get much sleep tonight because i gotta get up early again tomorrow but uh yeah that is life um but uh, yeah, thank you guys, everyone, for for staying up late with us, and uh, and hopefully you enjoyed this, and uh, this was a fantastic episode. Coming back in two weeks with a very very exciting discussion topic. Definitely keep an eye on your socials for that mm-hmm. when it comes up. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a good one. But uh, yeah, thanks guys. This was great.
2: A good one, and possibly a controversial one. If you thought things got heated tonight, just wait until next week or two weeks from now. You know what I mean. Thanks to producer Sean for keeping up with this stream and with the chat tonight. And thanks to everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, episode 341 is officially in the books for Ben. I'm Zach. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. But until then, good night, everyone.